Um, hello! Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Hi, it's me, Daniel Kay, the host of the Daniel Kay's Let's Plays uh, podcast project. It's time for the 2019 Christmas special. Oh boy, you sure haven't heard my voice in a while, have you? Yeah, it's been a been a been a long time since last I sat in front of this microphone and recorded it for you. This my voice saying things. Um, I'm only really doing it uh, tonight because it's a very special night, ladies and gentlemen. It's uh, here in Australia. It's the 24th of the 12th, the 24th of December, 2019, Christmas Eve. It's three minutes past 11 p.m. So, in less than an hour, it will be Christmas. And it's a tradition here at the Daniel K's Let's Plays podcast project that I do Christmas specials. There were like three or four Christmas specials the first year. And then the next year there was one Christmas special, which was is less episodes, but it was even more special because it was a tie-in to my appearance on the uh, Michael and David... Pipel and what Mavis, what are they called? Sarah and Michael Save Christmas podcast. My appearance on the uh, the weird half-formed protoplasm of the Sarah and Michael Save Christmas uh, podcast back when it was a podcast about Darkwing Duck, but it was not really about that anymore. It was doing Christmas episodes, and then it did a full-on left-turn transition into a full-on Christmas podcast, so... Here we are doing this year's single solitary Christmas special episode. But I'm not here saying it's not going to be special because goddamn it's going to be special. It's a double-barreled episode. There are two things to do. Thing one. I was involved in an international Secret Santa gift exchange. Yes, that's right. Me and a bunch of other friends online sent each other gifts of approximately worth $20 kind of gifts. And I've got, hang on, uh, a box here. It actually arrived a couple days ago, but Jesus Christ, my life, it's been so, uh, um, uh, it's, it's been so, uh, unpermitting of me opening a gift <laughs> and, and recording it. Uh, it, it's only now, the very last uh, few minutes of Christmas Eve, that I find myself with a tiny little bit of time on my plate. Time enough to record. So, I'm going to start by opening the Secret Santa gift, finding out what's inside, and then I'm going to go on to do a little uh, Christmas uh, Moomin short story reading. Yeah, there's a Moomin short story set uh, in a Christmas kind of place, uh, thematically, by Tove Jansen, you know... I did uh, Moomin bonus content uh, a couple of years ago now, in which at the end of the Pokemon Blue Nuzlocke episodes, I read chapters of a Moomin book into this, onto this and published it. Eventually, in the end, as a whole full-on audiobook, you can go back through the back catalogue and read and listen to me read that book to you, Moomin Land Midwinter. And I got a comment uh, through SoundCloud uh, from a listener called Faith Daily Dreams commented at the 2 hour, 14 minute, 35 second mark, so the very, very end of the book. If it is still in your heart, I'd like to listen to more Moomin. So, Faith Daily Dreams. Yes, I will do that thing, and I'll make it a Christmas special episode. You can skip right on ahead to the reading if you want. I'm not going to put a time code in, because I don't have, like, the editing on this episode is going to be minimal, because it's pretty much Christmas already, but... So, if you, if you want to listen to a Moomin audiobook, 
Scroll right on ahead, you'll find it. Moomin Christmas short story. Um, it's called The Fir Tree. Uh, but if you want to listen to me open a secret Santa gift, then hey, don't scroll on ahead, because it's happening right here and now. And it's going to happen. I've got my little wine my little wine bottle opener here. It's got this wine... No, this, this beer bottle attachment on the top, which I'll just open now. It's got this corkscrew on the side, which I'll open now. There. Didn't really hear it. Hang on, let me try doing it again. Stay quiet, everyone. Listen. There. And now, uh, pertinent pertinent to what I uh, have this thing here out with me for, it has this weird little serrated knife on the back. Uh, I don't really know why. I think this is for, like, cutting wax seals on real fancy bottles of wine. But, uh, yeah, no fancy bottles of wine here in my house. Uh, instead, there's a big old box that needs to be opened. Okay, yeah, so, this box. I should describe the box to you in a sort of theatre of the mind kind of thing. Imagine imagine a hat box, a box for, like, a top hat, but a squashed flat one, bigger than a regular, wider than a regular top hat. Imagine a sombrero hat box, but with the top cut off, because it's not as tall as a sombrero. Uh, it's like a... It's about a foot square, and what's that? About six inches deep, this this box. It's a square rectangle box, and I'm about to open it. Um, I should mention, if there are a few clues on the outside of the box as to what's inside the box. And I feel like it would be disingenuous of, of me to... Uh, fail to relate to you the clues that I've already read on the outside of the box. So, the first thing I did when I got this box is I thought, oh, I'll, I'll have a little look at uh, what country this came from. Because there's mostly Americans in the Christmas uh, Secret Santa International Gift Exchange, but there's two Australians and one... Yeah, there's two Australians. Um, and so I thought I'd, I'd look. Did the other Australian send me a gift, or was it an American who sent me a gift from America? And so I look, and the first thing I see isn't the country of origin. The first thing I see is the contents of the box. The contents of the box? It says clock. Yeah, you might think that's a big spoiler, listeners, but wait till you see this bit of information. Wait till you hear this bit of information I'm about to, about to share with you. There's also a huge sticker on the box. On the box. Uh, it's a huge sticker, and it's a very fancy little design with some pandas uh, and some, like, Halloween bamboo. And it says RB in big letters. RB. What does that stand for? Red bubble. It's a red bubble clock. So it has a design on it. Right? It has some kind of special design on it that someone's gotten on, printed on a clock for me to put on the wall. Now... Um, in the past, I've opened parcels, parcels here on this podcast, uh, and I have refrained from speculating the specifics of what I think the gift might be, uh, and I've regretted doing that. Evan Tolley, in the past, sent me a Game Boy game to play, uh, Dragon Quest 1, um, and I was sitting there looking at the box... Uh, I think I knew it was a game of some kind, and I was like, oh, I, it, I really, in my heart of hearts, wanted it to be a an old RPG game, a really simple old RPG Game Boy game, and I was like, oh, this could be a, like a really old, old, old school RPG game, that would be really cool. I didn't say it because I didn't want to be disappointed when it was some weird puzzle game or something, but it turned out to be a really old school RPG 
like uh, the progenitor of, of the old school RPGs. Um, and I was kicking myself for not having uh, shared my hopes before having my hopes confirmed. So I'm going to share a hope with you now. I'm a big fan of the Two in the Think Tank podcast. This could be their iconic magma um, engineer clock design of the two Two in the Think Tank guys uh, standing next to each other looking like real weirdos. That I would be pretty proud to hang on my wall. It could be that. That would be pretty cool. Um, It could also be another really cool thing which I'm about to be surprised by. Or a third option. Last night... Uh, I was in the midst of a horrible nightmare, a disgusting, tormenting nightmare, which uh, tore at the edges of my sanity, ripped it to shreds, and I awoke half a madman, screaming and shrieking with the horror of what I'd seen in this disgusting vision. I don't have any artwork on Redbubble, but imagine, like, imagine if they'd gotten the... No, 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 no. They would just buy it from Society6. No, 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 no. Okay, that, that that suspicion can be quashed. Also, I imagine what kind of psychopath would send me one of my own clock designs, but through a different shop. No, that's not, that's not a real suspicion. No, never mind. In fact, I might go out and cut that. Ah, oh, no, editing. No editing. Anyway, yeah, let's just open the box. So here's my little wine knife, and I'm going to plunge it right into that the front of the box. Oh, it is from America. I did see that. That was the third clue. I'm going to plunge the knife into the box. Get it really deep in there and just wiggle it around for a bit. There we are. Sometimes when you get the knife in there, you can kind of feel uh, the surface of the contents and it can give you some clues. Like if it's something made of glass, you know, you'll know that right away. Or if it's like a really markable plastic. All right. Nope, the surface of this isn't giving me any clues when I scratch it with a knife. Let's just get it open. One last little chop. Man, this last little chop is kind of confounding me. Hang on. There we are. All right, the box is open and the knife I'm putting away. I've still got most of my fingers left. Okay. Now I'm unfolding the cardboard wings of the box. You know the ones. Oh, some brown paper listeners. Obscuring the face of the clock that I know is inside. Let me just lift up the brown paper. A second box. Let me lift up this box. Is it sealed completely? Yes, it's completely sealed. Ah, but much easier to open. There's a little cardboard tag, which I'm just lifting out of its place. Little cardboard locking mechanism. And now I'm lifting open the side of the box. And now I see the wooden rounded edge of a clock wrapped in bubble wrap. And now for me to open... Well, for me to lift the clock out of its box so I can see more than the side, so I can see the design on the face, and so that the mystery is finally delivered to me, and then I'll deliver it to you in all its glory, or in a fraction of its glory, because you're only hearing it described instead of seeing it with your eyes, like I'm about to see it right now as I lift it out. Here it goes. Holy shit, motherfucker. Guess what, listeners? It's the magma clock. It's the two in the think tank 
um, Alistair George William Tremblay Birchall and Andy Matthews Magma Engineers Clock. If you don't know what to picture in your minds, I don't even know what to tell you. You know what? I'm not going to make it the thumbnail because that would spoil the mystery, spoil the surprise. Shit, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I set up beforehand that I was hoping that this is what it is. This is absolutely perfect. Um, so what I'm going to do, if you want to look at this clock, there'll be a link in the description to the Redbubble store where you can buy your own. Um, who the who the hell sent this to me? Who's my secret Santa? I thought there would be, like... I, I wrote my name all over my secret Santa gift when I sent it. Where's the box? Where's the return address? What? Hang on. There we are, hang on. <laughs> Returns. An artist on Redbubble. San Francisco, California. Oh, there's no... It's a mystery. Who could it be? Is it written anywhere here? Uh... Okay. No, it's still a mystery. I can't tell who sent me this. It's totally anonymous. What am I gonna do? Am I gonna guess? Uh, Tyler Thornton, is it you? Uh, it could be Troy. Who would know to send me such a cool and specific thing that I love? Could it be Evan as well? It could be... I wouldn't have gotten Matt two years in a row, surely. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, well, I guess... Uh, the mystery will continue for you listeners forever and for me until I ask the group chat who it was. But without further ado, here at the 14 and a half minute mark, let's move on to the Moomin story, the Moomin short story. Um, let me just find it. So it's uh, the very last story in um, a collection of short stories called Tales from Moomin Valley written by Tove Jansen and released in... Where's the publisher's information? Hang on. Yep. Released in... First published in Swedish as Det Oisinliga Barnet in 1962. First published in English 1963. So it's from the early 60s. Um... Uh, the fir tree commences on page 184 of the collection of short stories. And let's just get into it, shall we? <clears throat> Here goes. <sighs> if I was really good, I'd put some like special music there at the start. I don't know how good I am, though. The Fir Tree One of the Hemulans was standing on the roof, scratching at the snow. He had yellow woolen mittens that after a while became wet and disagreeable. 
He laid them on the chimney top, sighed and scratched away again, and at last he found the hatch in the roof. That's it, the Hemulin said, and down there, they're lying fast asleep, sleeping and sleeping and sleeping, while other people work themselves silly just because Christmas is coming. He was standing on the hatch, and as he couldn't remember whether it opened inwards or outwards, he stamped on it cautiously. It opened inwards at once, and the Hemulin went tumbling down among the snow and the darkness and all the things that the Moomin family had stowed away in the attic for later use. The Hemulin was now very annoyed, and furthermore not quite sure of where he had left his yellow mittens. They were his favourite pair. So he stumbled down the stairs, and he threw the door open with a bang, and he shouted in a cross voice, "'Christmas is coming! I'm tired of you and your sleeping, and now Christmas will be here almost any day!' The Moomin family was hibernating in the drawing room, as they were wont to do. They had been sleeping for a few months already, and were going to keep it up until spring. A sweet sleep had rocked them through what felt like a single long summer afternoon, and now all at once a cold draught disturbed Boomin Troll's dreams, and someone was pulling at his quilt and shouting that he was tired and that Christmas was coming. Uh, is it spring already? Boomin Troll mumbled. Spring? the Hemulin said nervously. Well, I'm talking about Christmas, don't you know? Christmas. And I've made absolutely no arrangements yet myself, and here they send me off to dig you out. I believe I've lost my mittens, everybody's running about like mad, and nothing's ready. The Hemulin clumped The Hemulin clumped upstairs again and went out through the hatch. Mama, wake up, Moomin Troll said anxiously. Something awful is happening. It's called Christmas. What do you mean? his mother said, and she thrust her snout out from under her quilt. I don't really know, her son replied. But nothing seems to be ready, and something's gotten lost, and everybody's running around like mad. Perhaps there's a flood again. He cautiously shook the snork maiden by the shoulder, and he whispered, Don't be afraid, but something terrible is happening. Uh-uh, Moomin Papa said. Easy now. And he rose, and he wound the clock that had stopped somewhere in October. Then they followed the Hemulin's wet trail upstairs, and they clambered out onto the roof of the Moomin house. The sky was blue as usual, so this time it couldn't be the volcano, but all the valley was filled with wet cotton, the mountains and trees and the river and the roof, and the weather was cold, much, much colder than in April. Is this white stuff Christmas? Moomin Papa asked, wonderingly. He scooped up some of the cotton in his paw and he peered at it. I wonder if it's growing out of the ground, he said, or falling down from the sky. Oh, if it came all at once, that must have been most unpleasant. Oh, but Papa, it's snow, Moomin Troll said. I know it is, and it doesn't fall all at the same time. No, Moomin Papa said. Well, unpleasant all the same. The Hemulin's aunt passed by the house with a fir tree on her chair sled. Oh, so you're awake at last, she observed casually. Better get yourself a fur before dark. But why, Moomin Papa began to say. No, I haven't time to explain now, the Hemulin's aunt called back over her shoulder and quickly disappeared. Before dark, she said, the stork maiden whispered. The danger comes by dark, then. And you need a fir tree for protection, Moomin Papa mused. I don't understand it. Nor I, Moomin Mama said submissively. Put some woolen socks and scarves on when you go for the fur. I'll make a good fire in the stove. Even if disaster was coming, Moomin Papa decided not to cut down one of his own furs. <coughs> because he was very particular about them, 
Instead, he and Moomintroll climbed over Gafsey's fence and chose a big fur that she wouldn't have any use for anyway. Was the idea to hide oneself in it? Moomintroll wondered. I don't know, Moomintropper said. I don't know, Moomintropper said, and he swung his axe. I don't understand a thing. They were almost by the river on their way back when Gafsey came running towards them with a lot of parcels and paper bags in her arms. She was red in the face and highly excited, so... Thankfully, she did not recognise her fir tree. Oh, stuff and bother, Gafsey cried. Badly brought up hedgehogs should never be allowed to... Uh, and I've told Misabel, well, oh, it's all the same. The fur, Moomin Papa said, desperately clinging to Gafsey's collar. What does one do with one's fur? Fur, Gafsey repeated confusedly. Fur? Oh, well, it's such a nuisance, a horrid thing. I haven't dressed mine yet at all. How on earth can I find the time? Then she dropped several parcels in the snow and her cap slipped askew. She was near to tears from nervous exhaustion. Moo and Papa shook his head and he took a hold of the fur again. At home, Moo and Mama had dug out the veranda with a shovel and laid out life belts and aspirins, Moo and Papa's old gun and some warm compressors. One had to be prepared. A small woody was sitting on the outermost edge of the sofa with a cup of tea in its paws. It had been sitting in the snow below the veranda, looking so miserable that Moomin Mama had invited it in. Oh, well, here's the fur, Moomin Papa said. If we only knew how to use it. Gafsey said it had to be dressed. Well, we haven't anything large enough, Moomin Mama said worriedly. Whatever did she mean? Oh, what a beautiful fur, the small woody cried, and then swallowed some tea the wrong way from pure shyness, regretting already that it had dared to speak at all. Do you know how to dress a fir tree? the snog maiden asked, and the woody reddened violently and whispered, In beautiful things, as beautiful as you can, so I've heard. And then, overwhelmed by its shyness, it clapped its paws to its face, upset the teacup and disappeared through the veranda door. Well now, keep quiet a moment, please, and let me think, Moomin Papa said. If the fir tree is to be dressed as beautifully as possible, then it can't be in order to hide it. The idea must be to play carried the fir out into the garden and planted it firmly in the snow. They started to decorate it all over with the most beautiful things that they could think of, and they adorned it with the big shells from the summertime flower beds and with Snork Maiden's shell necklace and they took prisms from the drawing room chandelier and hung them from the branches, and at the very top they pinned a red silk rose that Moomin Papa had once upon a time given to Moomin Mama as a present. Everyone brought the most beautiful thing that they had to placate the incomprehensible powers of winter. When the fir tree was dressed, the Hemulan's aunt passed by again with her chair sledge. She was steering the other way now, and her hurry was even greater. Look at our fir tree, Moomin Troll called to her. Oh dear me, said the Hemulans aunt, but then you've always been quite unlike other people. Now I must, well, I haven't the least bit of food ready for Christmas yet. Food for Christmas, Moomin Troll repeated. Does he eat? The aunt never listened to him. Oh, you don't get away with less than a dinner at the very least, she said nervously, and then went whizzing down the slope. Moomin Mama worked all afternoon. A little before dark, she had the food cooked for Christmas and served in small bowls around the fir tree. There was juice and yogurt and blueberry pie, eggnog, other things that the Moomin family liked. Do you think Christmas is very hungry? Moomin Mama wondered, a little anxiously. No, no worse than I, very likely, Moomin Papa said longingly. He was sitting in the snow with his quilt around his ears, feeling a cold coming on, but small creatures always have to be very, very polite to the great powers of nature.
Down in the valley, everyone's windows were lighting up. Candles were lit under the trees and in every nest among the branches, and flickering candle flames went hurrying through the snowdrifts. Moomintrol gave his father a questioning look. Yes, Moomintpapa said and nodded. It's best that we prefer, prepare for all eventualities, and so Moomintrol went into the house and he collected all the candles that he could find. He planted them in the snow around the fir tree and cautiously lit them one after the other until they formed a little circle of flames to placate the darkness and Christmas. After a while, everything seemed to quieten down in the valley. Probably everyone had gone home to wait what was coming. One single lonely shadow was wandering among the trees. It was the Hemulin. Hello, Mumintrol called softly. Is he coming? Oh, don't disturb me, the Hemulin replied sullenly, looking through a long list in which nearly every line seemed to be crossed out. He sat down by one of the candles and he started to count on his fingers. Mother, father, Gaffsy, he mumbled. The cousins, the eldest hedgehogs. I can leave out the smaller ones. And Sniff didn't give me anything last year. Then the miserable and the wumper. An auntie, of course. Oh, this drives me mad. What is it? The snort maiden asked anxiously. Has anything happened to them? Presents, the Hemulin exclaimed. More and more presents every time Christmas comes around. And he scribbled a shaky cross on the list and then he ambled off. Wait, Mimitrol shouted. Please explain. Oh, and your mittens. But the Hemulin disappeared in the dark like all of the others. Everyone seemed to be in a terrible hurry and worried about the coming of Christmas. So the Moomin family quickly went in to look for some presents. Moomin Papa chose his best trolling spoon, which had a very beautiful box. He wrote, For Christmas, on the box, and he laid it out in the snow. The Snork Maiden took off her ankle ring and sighed a little as she rolled it up in silk paper. Moomin Mama opened her secret drawer and took out her book of paintings, the one and only coloured book in all of the valley. Moomintroll's present was so generous and private that he showed it to no one. Not even later in the spring did he tell anyone what he had given away. And then they all sat down in the snow again and they waited for the frightening guest. Time passed and nothing happened. Only the small Woody who had upset the cup of tea appeared from behind the woodshed. It had brought all of its relations and the friends of those relations and each of them was just as small and grey and miserable and frozen. Happy Christmas, the Woody shyly whispered. You're the first to suggest Christmas is happy, Moomin Papa said. Aren't you at all afraid of what's going to happen when it comes? Oh, but this is it, the Woody mumbled and sat down in the snow with its relations. May we look? You've got such a wonderful fir tree. Oh, and all the food, one of the relations said dreamily. And real presents, said another. I've dreamed all my life of seeing this up close, the Woody said with a sigh. And then there was a pause. The candles burnt steadily in the quiet night, and the Woody and all its relations sat quietly still. One could feel their admiration and longing stronger and stronger, and finally Moomin Mama edged a little closer to Moomin Papa and whispered, Do you think so too? Why, yes, but if... Moomin Papa objected. No matter, Moomin Troll said. If Christmas gets angry, then we close the doors and perhaps we'll be safe inside. Then he turned to the Woody and said, Hey, you can have it all. The Woody didn't believe its ears at first. It stepped cautiously closer to the fir tree, with its whiskers trembling, and then all of its friends and its relations followed. They had never had a Christmas of their very own before. Well, I think that we'd better be off now, Moomin Papa said anxiously. 
They padded back to the veranda and locked the door and they hid under the table and then nothing happened. After a while, they looked anxiously out of the window. All the small creatures were sitting around the fir tree, eating and drinking and opening parcels, having more fun than ever. Finally, they climbed the fir tree and they carefully fastened the burning candles to the branches. Oh, only there ought to be a star at the top, the Woody's uncle said. Do you think so? The Woody replied, looking thoughtfully at Moom and Mama's red silk rose. What difference does it make, so long as the idea is right? Oh, the rose should have been a star, Moo and Mama whispered to the others. But how on earth? And then they looked up at the sky, black and distant, but unbelievably full of stars, a thousand times more than in summer, and the biggest one was hanging exactly above the top of their fir tree. Oh, I'm so sleepy, Moo and Mama said. I'm really too tired to wonder about the meaning of all of this, but it seems to have come off all right anyway. Well, at least I'm not afraid of Christmas anymore, Moomintroll said. I believe the Hemulin and his aunt and Gaffsy must have misunderstood the whole thing. They laid the Hemulin's yellow mittens on the veranda rail where he'd be sure to catch sight of them, and then they went back to the drawing room to sleep some more, waiting for the spring. Ooh, and that's the end. Oh, pretty good. The whole episode's only going to be like half an hour. Perfect. Perfect for a Christmas special. Not too special, but f- Christmas nonetheless. All right, thanks, ladies and gentlemen. If I was feeling really on brand, then I'd uh, I'd let some Christmas music play you all out as the episode podcast ended. But I'm instead just gonna play some Bill Callahan music. I've been really obsessed with Bill Callahan recently. Uh, here's the first track, I think, from his album Dream River. I've really just been playing this over and over again. In the hotel bar. Yeah, Bill Callahan. I'm not gonna recommend it now, I'm gonna do like a special thing in an episode coming up. Yeah, more episodes coming up probably. Anyway, yeah, here's some Bill Callahan and good night everyone. Happy Christmas. Looking out a window that isn't there.